Welcome to Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. I'm Shanda Sung, and I'm a comedian. And I'm Ashley Morgan, and I'm a farmer. We've been best friends since we were nine years old. Welcome to our show, where we teach each other all kinds of things that cover our wide range of knowledge and interests. And today's episode is shipwrecks. Man, we love a good disaster on this show. We really do. We do. (laughs) We do. So the people are here for disasters and Halloween content. Apparently, people have been very into our spooky content. The people have spoken. Yeah. Y'all are sick. Yeah. Sick people. (laughs) Bunch of witches. That's all right. We are too. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You're amongst friends. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No judgment. Today we're doing shipwrecks. I've got a cruise ship. Is yours also a cruise ship? No, mine's a cargo ship. Okay. I think we've talked about in a previous episode that we've both been on a cruise ship before. Yeah. Look up uh, the episode High Seas to hear about our exploits on a cruise ship. Yeah, I liked going on a cruise ship for the most part. I was with a group of people that turned out to be some drama, but for the most part, I would like to be on a cruise. Well, I say that, but I don't know if I would. I would like to do one of those like around the world on a cruise ship type thing where you live on there for like six months to a year and you get to stop yes. in like 20 different countries or some shit. Like, I don't know. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So a good friend of mine, her parents did one of those and it had been delayed due to COVID, but it was still kind of COVID times. So some of the ports that they were intending to stop at were canceled so it went from a six month trip to I think like four and a half months but they went all over and then at one point they got COVID on the ship so they had to quarantine in their room for 10 days oh how sounds like a nightmare yeah but they enjoyed it enough or maybe they didn't enjoy it enough that they're like out for revenge because they booked another one (laughs) (laughs) so they're like damn it we're gonna enjoy this (laughs) But they booked another one, so they're going next year. That would be really fun. I mean, the logistics of that blow my mind. Yeah. It, l- clearly, it's a retirement thing. It's got to be all either like filthy rich widowers and widows <laughs> that don't have to work and retirees. Yeah. Like, those are the only people who can just be gone for six months. Exactly. You're screwed. Yeah. I can barely be gone for six hours without animals bitching at me to be fed. So, (laughs) yeah, if I really, really wanted to do one, I could at least like take my kids with me. What are you going to show up at the cruise ship dock with like 12 alpacas and (laughs) armloads of chickens? (laughs) A crate of chickens. (laughs) Uh, I have to bring these guys with me. This is my dog. He's cool. Got two cats. Six alpacas and a bunch of chickens. I don't know. I lost count after a while how many chickens. Uh, so we're all here to have a good time. But <laughs> Oh, man. That might be kind of cool, though. Those cruise ships are big enough. You could probably still free range those chickens. They'll see me boarding. They'll be like, what is this, Noah's Ark? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what is happening? No, they'll be like, damn, we're going to be on this ship so long that, like, they couldn't pack actual supplies. Mm-hmm. So we're going <laughs> to... Having our own eggs, and then we'll eat the chickens on the way yep, home. Yep, and then we've got cats for the ship rats, and the alpacas will make our own clothes. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And Nitro will be cruise ship director, <laughs> just making sure everybody's in line. That dog would not do well on a cruise ship. He can barely ride in the back of a vehicle without falling really? over and slipping around and all that. I can't imagine what a cruise ship would be like. Oh, man. Has he ever been on a boat? Yeah, he's been on my parents' boat before. They have a 
Yeah, was it a mess? Speedboat out on the lake. And yeah, he just doesn't understand the limitations of like the (laughs) side of the boat. So he kept trying to just like walk over the side. Like he'd climb up on the seat, put his arms up on the side of the boat and then like almost try to go over. Like, dude, there's nothing (laughs) over there. There's nothing on the other side of that railing for you. (laughs) Stay in the boat. He just doesn't know boat etiquette. He like doesn't know how to act. Yeah. Dude, uh, my mom has these two dogs and she got them for puppies and they also have a boat. And I'm like, oh, you're gonna have cute little boat dogs. And one of their dogs gets so unbelievably motion sick (laughs) that he just like fires out of both ends. Oh, no. (laughs) On the three minute drive to the vet's office, he has just destroyed the backseat of their truck. And they got him on the boat once and they were like, he was just drooling and barfing and pooping everywhere. Well, at least you're on the boat. You can wash it off real easy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. A little easier to hose that out than the back of the GMC. <laughs> Poor buddy. Poor Mondo can't hack it. I feel it. for that dog. That was me when I took my cruise. I get yeah. motion sickness very easily. I have a hard time riding in the back seat of a vehicle. I'm getting that way. I am a grown ass woman and I cannot read. <laughs> Even when I'm in the front seat in the passenger seat, Tyler will sometimes ask me to look up something and I'm like, I cannot read on my phone for any more than a couple minutes. I mean, when we take road trips, Tyler is on his phone. He's maybe even on his iPad. He has no qualms about it. He also goes like 500 mile an hour while playing games on his iPad. So, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> for his job so he's used what's he doing in there is that what he's no, doing no of course there? not he's paying absolute attention to the <laughs> flight ahead of him and <laughs> reviewing the manual in case there are any problems oh certainly yeah he's probably doing the usa today crossword <laughs> <laughs> josh is the same way he'll be on his phone the whole time when we're driving and if i look at it for longer than 60 seconds on the nose i gotta like open the window and hang my head out of it <laughs> Same. like this is awful and i didn't used to be like that i would read in the vehicle all the time and so now it's just like standard practice in our marriage that i drive yeah. most of the time yeah i do a lot of driving too yeah, like I drove the whole way to Boston and most of the way home. His family was kind of giving him a hard time about it. I'm like, I just like driving. When he drives, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So it's either I sleep or I just stare straight ahead trying to hold it together. So I just prefer to drive. You could talk to your husband. Why, though? <laughs> oh, we ran out of things to talk about 100 miles back. <laughs> About what? (laughs) You've been together for so long. (laughs) In our van, we have a DVD player and the kids will watch stuff. Mm -hmm. So then Josh and I just listen to separate things in our headphones. (laughs) So we don't have to listen to the same Pixar movie for the 90th time. Oh, yeah. Y'all are just doing your own thing. Yeah. When you're taking long road trips like that, you you know. There are periods where we talk to each other. You don't have to do everything together. But yeah, yeah, cruise ship for six months. I don't know. You'd acclimate. Yeah, there's enough to do. And those are big. Yeah. Those are so much bigger. I think I could handle it. How do I become a cruise ship comedian? I don't know. I think you just go to the website and apply. I don't know. Yeah. I had friends who were entertainers that they would go out on cruise ships for like six months. And man, that's cool. The one dude, he was a little bit of a man whore, so he loved it. I mean, <laughs> it was a great gig for him. He pretty much performed like one or two nights a week. And the rest of the time, they could just 
chill. Yeah, just hang out and meet people on the boat. Put a sock on the doorknob. Yeah, I was, I was trying to keep it clean. Yeah, exactly. I was like, well, what could you do? Gee, let me think. But yeah, they, he'd be gone for like six months at a time. He said it was a pretty cool gig. He was, you know, younger too. So, I mean, it's yeah, it's fun when you don't have those yeah animals and kids at home, I guess. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, I think it'd be one of those things like it's a cool experience, but now I'm done. Yeah, like, I did it. You know, and I have seen TikToks lately. I don't know what's happening if it's just coming up on my for you page, but I saw one where I think a carnival cruise ship, the tail caught on fire. Their big old, I don't know what it's called, uh, the big tail thing that sticks out the top. Did you see that yeah. TikTok where it's no, it's on fire? I haven't gotten to cruise ship disaster TikTok. Oh yet. well, I did apparently. I haven't scrolled that far. <laughs> I have seen videos in the past of people's toilets are overflowing and stuff and i'm like oh no that would be awful they're like stranded places i'm like ah i'd be trapped no so i don't know Mm -mm. maybe when i'm a retiree and 10 days in your tiny ass cabin with covid and yeah i don't know mate would i be more tolerant when i'm 65 of that sort of thing i don't know i don't know if i'd like my ship catching on fire but whatever (laughs) I might have some issue with that. Why don't we get into some real legit shipwrecks and boat disasters? Yeah. Now that you've led us right up to it. I kind of did. Yeah. You did. (laughs) I turned it kind of dark for a second there. Sorry. Well, let's get darker, shall we? Well, good. Let's just lean right into it. You're up first this week. I am up first. So my shipwreck that I'm going to talk about is the SS Edmund Fitzgerald. Hmm. Have you heard of this ship? I have heard of this. Yeah, I'd heard of it too. It's a name that kind of been around. We live in the Great Lakes region, so yeah, that's a thing that's been around. But I will give a little bit of the history and then I'll talk a bit about the actual shipwreck. Mm-hmm. So the ship's build was financed by Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And yeah, they were in life insurance, but they were also diversifying investments so they were getting into iron and minerals and they decided well we're going to build a ship at the same time and it's going to be this awesome cargo ship it's going to be like the best cargo ship you've ever seen so in 1957 they contracted with great lakes engineering works out of river river rouge michigan it's probably Mm -hmm. river rouge river rogue i don't know any michiganers can tell me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. But out of out of Michigan, they did the actual construction. And at the time, they were building the longest cargo ship of the Great Lakes. It was 730 feet long and 75 feet wide. And it was essentially the maximum limit for the St. Lawrence Seaway. They named it the Edmund Fitzgerald (laughs) after Northwestern Mutual's president at the time. The man, Edmund, didn't really like that this cargo <laughs> ship was being named after him. He wanted to name it like the Northwestern or something kind of cool and neutral yeah. like that. He didn't want it to be his name. But all the kiss asses on the board were like, no, man, it's cool. We love you. We're <laughs> going to name it after you. And so when they took a vote, he abstained from voting and everyone else was like, yeah, let's do it. And so the boat was named after him. The christening of the ship happened on June 7th. 1958 and the whole ceremony was a little bit of a mess for example 
Edmund's wife, Elizabeth, was the one who was supposed to break the champagne bottle. And it took her three tries before she finally broke it. <laughs> and of course, when you don't do it on the first time, everyone's like, ah, that's uh, maybe a bad omen. I don't know. Yeah. Champagne bottles are no joke, though. Why is that a They're thing? They're sturdy. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a $7 bottle of wine. Right. <laughs> It'll smash real easy. I'll crack a beer can over it, right? Like they yeah, crush right. a beer can on your forehead on the whole of the ship. There you go. <laughs> Another thing, the christening was delayed by 36 minutes because the crew struggled getting it off the blocks. Then once it actually got into the water, the launch caused a wave that ended up coming back and drenching all the spectators. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. So the whole christening and launch was a little bit of a mess. But ultimately, this ship was really, really great. It had a 17-year career. It moved tons of iron ore between Duluth, Minnesota, and the Detroit-Toledo area. Mm -hmm. This ship broke a ton of records. It broke speed records and load records, safety records. It was great. And over the course of many years, it was such a beloved ship. Not only was it a cargo ship, but they also had very classy passenger amenities it was not a passenger ship but sometimes they would take passengers if that makes sense yeah it had amenities such as plush carpeting in the sitting room tile bathrooms air conditioning they had stewards serving food and drinks and mm -hmm. there was a captain who piloted this thing for many years named peter pulser and he was known as the dj captain because he played music over their intercom system. Nice. And a lot of times when they were going through narrow passageways or if they were coming into ports, they would play music and all sorts of stuff as they were coming in for the spectators who were watching them pull in or watching them go by. Mm. People loved the DJ captain. They Loved the ship. It was huge. It was beautiful. It was really cool. They had all sorts of nicknames for it. They called it Queen of the Lakes, Big Fitz, Mighty Fitz, Pride of the American Side, Toledo Express. And then it also got the nickname, unfortunately, of Titanic of the Great Lakes. Ooh, before or after it went down? I think before. I think because it was oh. so big and grand. Like, don't jinx it. Why? Come on. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Come on. <laughs> Come on, guys. Come on. I don't know. Maybe it's a generational thing. This was in like the 50s and 60s. So maybe enough time had gone by that they were like, eh, we forgot about it. We can make bad jokes. It seems right? fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. Nothing will happen. Unfortunately, yeah, something did happen. On November 9th, 1975, around 2 p.m., the SS Edmund Fitzgerald departed Superior, Wisconsin. It was bound for Zug Island, which is near Detroit. Mm -hmm. It was piloted by Captain Ernest McSorley. I couldn't read my own handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> Ernest McSorley. They left the harbor and set out. Around 5 p.m., they ended up meeting up with a ship called the Arthur M. Anderson. So two cargo ships named after men were kind of on this journey to the same location, similar area. They were kind of traveling together. Now, before they left, the National Weather Service had predicted a storm to hit the area, but it was supposed to go south of Lake Superior. So they were like, ah, it'll be fine. The predictions are that it's going to go south. It won't hit us. 
We'll be fine. Let's keep traveling on. But around 7 p.m. that night, the National Weather Service changed its forecast and they said, actually, that storm has shifted. It's going to go right mm. across Lake Superior. Both ship captains said, all right, well, let's change our course and head a little bit north. Maybe it'll still go just a little south of us if we head north. Yeah. So they tried to avoid it. Well, the storm ended up hitting around 1 a.m. November 10th. They got winds up to 60 mile an hour. There were 10 foot waves. And this storm mm -hmm. lasted for hours and hours and hours. Because of the nastiness of the storm, the Edmund Fitzgerald and the Arthur M. Anderson ended up getting separated. Mm. They could still communicate with each other over the radio and they could see each other on their radars, but they were miles apart by this point. On November 10th at 3.30 p.m., with the storm still raging on, the Edmund Fitzgerald radioed to the Arthur M. Anderson, hey, we're taking on water and we're listing a little mm. bit. The Arthur M. Anderson tried to get to the Edmund Fitzgerald. He's like, all right, hang on, bud. We're on our way. We're going to close that gap. Yeah. We're going to try to get to you. We'll be there in a bit. But the storm was still going on. By 6 p.m., there were reported gusts of 85 miles an hour. There was the occasional wave that reached heights of 35 feet. And so these ships were just getting hammered. At 7.10 p.m., the Arthur M. Anderson captain checked in with the Edmund Fitzgerald and Captain McSorley responded with, we are holding our own. That was a quote that he had said. We are holding mm. our own. Unfortunately, that was the last words to come from the Edmund Fitzgerald. Uh. By 7.30 p.m. on November 10th, the Arthur M. Anderson lost communication and could no longer see them on the radar. But there had been no distress signal. Even though they were taking on water and even though they were listing a bit, there was no distress signal sent out by the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yeah, and then their last thing was saying, we're holding our own. Yeah, we're holding our own. So at the time, they were kind of like, eh, I guess they're doing okay. And then suddenly, within 10 minutes, they disappeared. Yeah. By 7.40 p.m., the Arthur M. Anderson called the Coast Guard with a distress signal. But the Coast mm -hmm. Guard was busy. That storm was tearing shit up. And it was still going on. So they're like, man, we can't get to you right now. We're sorry. We got a lot of stuff going on right now. By 9 p.m., the Arthur M. Anderson reported the Edmund Fitzgerald missing. By 10.30 p.m., the Coast Guard finally was like, ah, shit. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. That's a huge cargo ship. You're not seeing them on radar. Okay, we need to prioritize that. So they asked all vessels in the area, including the Arthur M. Anderson, to head to the last known area and look for survivors. Mm -hmm. Boats in the area found a lot of debris life jackets, life rafts, and a ton of other things, but they found no crew members. Wow. It was reported that all 29 crew members on that ship died that night. Once the storm cleared, they sent aircraft in to check out the area. The SS Edmund Fitzgerald was found November 14th, 15 miles from the Ontario shore, the ship had broken in half, and the two pieces were found on the lake floor 530 feet below the surface. Wow. They spent the next 20 years doing diving expeditions to look for clues as to what happened to this ship. Yeah. In 1980, Jean-Michel Cousteau, who was Jacques Cousteau's son, yeah. 
did a dive down there. He didn't really find anything of use. In 1994, a diving team found the remains of a crew member who was still wearing a life vest. So that kind of gave them a clue that, well, they donned their life vest, so they knew they were going down. Yeah. It didn't happen very suddenly. Like, they knew something was happening enough that they were able to don life vests. The body itself was unidentifiable by that point. Mm -hmm. By 2005, the Ontario Heritage Act required more permits and licensing to do dives in that area. Mm. It was deemed a historical site by that point. Yeah. I mean, what, 30 years had gone by by then. So it was deemed a historical site. So there's speculation as to some of the causes. What caused the ship to break in half and sink? Have they sent James Cameron down there yet? (laughs) See what he can come up with. Send that guy down. He's got a lot of money. Yeah. Of course, the weather and the waves were a huge mm-hmm. issue. I mean, there were giant waves, wind gusts. They were really fighting the elements there. But also there was evidence of faulty cargo hold seals. So, okay, mm-hmm. storm rolls in, water washes over. If those seals aren't great, now water's allowed to get in there causing flooding. Mm -hmm. You know, they thought maybe there was structural failure that caused the ship to break in two on the surface and sink to the bottom. Whoa. That's a big structural failure for a giant ship like that to just snap in half. Yes, exactly. There was thought that there was storm debris that caused topside damage. So they thought maybe a giant tree or log had crashed Mm. into the top of the ship and caused enough damage to sink it. Mm. There was also a theory that it ran aground on a shoal or some sort of reef. Mm. There's also thought that the navigation was off and perhaps they didn't see the sand barge or the shoal that was there. They didn't realize where they were because the storm had messed up their sense of direction and their navigation and you know maps weren't as accurate at that time and so it was thought that maybe they didn't quite know where they were and ran aground Mm -hmm. but a lot of it is still mostly unknown yeah there's been computer simulations done there's been investigative documentaries and articles and a lot of stuff written about it but it's still mostly unknown the exact cause of what caused that shipwreck now because of the shipwreck There were a ton of changes in regulations. For example, weight restrictions. It was thought that maybe they were carrying too much cargo for that time of year. Mm -hmm. They required survival suits, which I'm not exactly sure what that is. I think it's just literally some sort of suit you put on. It's got life preservers and probably flares and other things on it. Yeah, maybe something like wetsuit type that's to help with hypothermia. They required emergency beacons, better inspections and maintenance, and more accurate maps. They went through and said, you know what, if the map was the problem and they didn't realize where they were, if the navigation was the issue, we really Mm -hmm. need to hone in on these maps and get these a little more accurate. Mm -hmm. So, of course, this was a very big deal for the Great Lakes region. This was the pride of Lake Superior. This was... A huge, amazing ship that was 
kind of a feat in engineering. Everybody loved it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't without its issues, but for the most part, it was grand. It was great. It did its work really well. It carried a ton of cargo. It kept industry going. It was beloved by people in terms of, Mm -hmm. you know, they loved watching it come in. There was always music playing. It was kind of a joyful, amazing thing. And so for 29 people, crew members to lose their life was tragic Mm -hmm. along with the loss of the ship as well. So the Mariner's Church in Detroit the day after rang their bell 29 times for each of the crew members. There is a replica of the ship's bell with all 29 names engraved on it. There have been songs written. There have been plays, musicals Mm -hmm. written about the whole thing. I'm supposed to mention this because Tyler brought it up to me. I did find that. The Great Lakes Brewing Company out of Cleveland yeah. has an Edmund Fitzgerald Porter. <laughs> it's good. I've had it. <laughs> I think Tyler has too. He's like, you got to talk about that. They sell it down here. <laughs> when you mentioned it, I got kind of excited. I have a personal Edmund Fitzgerald anecdote. Ooh, do tell. And that is that my mother-in-law's family hails from Duluth, Minnesota. And her father, Josh's grandfather... Winfred Felix Leopold, (laughs) nicknamed Wimpy, Grandpa Wimpy, lived in Duluth, Minnesota for most of his life. And we went up there to visit a few times. But one of the times that we went up there, we went on a scenic train ride up there. And in his youth, he worked as a galley cook on many of the ships on the Superior. It was amazing. We took this train ride up the coast and he just told us all these stories about the city. He knew so much and had lived through so much. I think he was 93 at the time. Wow. And he told us, he said, I remember the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I knew men who were on it. Wow. He had seen it many times because it would go between Detroit and Duluth. So anytime I think of the Edmund Fitzgerald, I think of Grandpa Wimpy and how he knew about it so he passed away about a year ago but man what a cool guy and just full of stories and every time i hear about the edmund fitzgerald i'm gonna think of him so that's really cool that he yeah very cool knew of it that you had somebody so close to you that knew this whole thing beyond just history channel shows and whatnot yeah and i mean it would have been well within a possibility for him to have worked on that ship Mm -hmm. you know he worked on many like it for years that was the career he retired from was being a galley cook wow so yeah very interesting but that's cool i had never like heard the full story on it i didn't know that there was another ship there throughout the whole thing yeah so pretty wild and that they don't know exactly what happened yeah Exactly. Yeah. It could have been, you know, they have all these theories and these speculations, but it's so far down and they have a hard time and enough time's gone by now that it's really hard to say. It really could have been a combination of a lot of those things, you know. For sure. And another thing is that Lake Superior is inconceivably huge. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's just so big to think of this massive liner to have gone down so deep. That we can't even get answers out of it yeah. in a lake. It's just it's amazing. Duluth, Minnesota is a super cool place. If you have a chance to go there, you definitely should. So I do want to kind of see that area. I've never really been up there. 
when I was a flight attendant, I did do a couple Minneapolis St. Paul overnights. I've been to Milwaukee a couple times. Yeah. But I never had a chance to go out and explore that area. Yeah. It was always just overnights. We would stay real close to the hotel. And so, yes, I would love to take a road trip and just be able to drive the coast. And I've heard it's beautiful country up in that area. Tons of trees, tons of lakes. Like It is. Duluth is another four hours north of Minneapolis. Wow. So it's it's Canada. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is way the hell up there. And it's on the coast of Superior. And it's basically a city built into a hillside. So... These neighborhoods are all designed with switchbacks, Whoa. like these roads that zigzag. And I've only ever been there in the summer. And to imagine it in the winter, <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you get anywhere? Yeah. But they have an aerial lift bridge that they're famous for. It's this massive bridge that so instead of like a road that sort of splits in the middle and lifts up to allow ships to pass through, mm -hmm. this is a big kind of like rectangular thing that lifts the entire section of road straight up into the air and it's really cool to watch them do it and they've got loud bells and it's just this slow rise and it goes up so high there's not cars on there is there no 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 oh, okay good they close it off but yeah instead of like a drawbridge as you normally imagine it it's just a section I don't know how wide of road that they just lift straight up in the air to allow these massive vessels to go under. Yeah. And it's very cool. That is cool. Add it to the Add list. Add it to the list of the places we want to go. Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah. We're going. Going to yeah. visit Lake Superior. Sounds good. <laughs> well, that's all I really had to say. There was a lot to this story. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll admit, I admitted to you before the show, and I'll admit to those listening, <laughs> I got a little overwhelmed by facts. And this does happen yeah. to us every now and then where the story is so extensive that you really could talk about it for three straight hours. But I have, what, yeah. 20 minutes? I have turned this into, what, 30 minutes at this point? So <laughs> you really have to kind of pick the interesting facts and still kind of try to keep the story going while yeah. leaving some interesting facts behind. So I tried my best, guys. Ed, but yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of fun to read. Uh, this tragedy is a lot of fun to read <laughs> and talk yeah, about. Right? But yeah, it was a fun topic this week. I, I really enjoyed this one. But mm -hmm. so that's all I really had to say on it. Why don't we take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to your shipwreck. All right, we're back. It's my turn. I have a story of a shipwreck. Mine is a cruise ship. So to add to the fears that you were discussing earlier in the episode. Oh, boy. Let's really talk you out of ever getting on a cruise ship for the rest of your life. How about that? We're going to get sued by Carnival Cruise Ship. For yeah, <laughs> You're right. sabotaging us. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the sinking of the Oceanos in 1991. So fairly recently. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to consider the 90s recent. I guess it all depends on your perspective. Uh, it's really hard to think that the 90s were 30 years ago. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. I've had 92. 92 was 30 years ago. Yikes. Yeah. Anyway, so a bit of history on this ship itself. It was built in 1952 in France, and it was originally called the Jean Laborde, which was named after 
an explorer from Madagascar, an entrepreneur, industrialist in Madagascar. It was one of four cruise ships that were built at the time for a company called the Messageries Maritimes. It's French, so I'm sure that there's a pronunciation that I'm butchering. Yeah, but y- they, you got to leave out like 10 of the letters. Yeah, Messageries Maritimes. <laughs> Beautiful. Nailed it. <laughs> so, so these four cruise ships were built originally to do a run between France and Madagascar and another island off of Madagascar. And it sort of changed hands a few times, uh, changed names several times. But in 1976, a Greek shipping company called Epiratiki Lines bought it and renamed it the Oceanos. So at this point, it's already, you know, it's getting up there. It's like a 30-year-old ship. Mm -hmm. It's been passed around a little bit. And it was doing a lot of runs in that area of the world. And then it was chartered out by a company called the TFC Tours for some cruises off of South Africa. In August of 1991, TFC Tours was chartering it out to do a cruise that the last leg of which was between East London, South Africa and Durban, South Africa. And I Google mapped it (laughs) and Google Maps was like, you cannot drive there. It is too far. (laughs) But then I put just to see how far apart those two cities are. Uh And they're approximately 400 miles. Okay, So not far at all. So I don't know where the earlier legs of this cruise went, but this was just the last little skip before they finished their tour. So at the time, it was being captained by a 30-year veteran of the sea and 20 years as an officer, Giannis Avranis. Excellent name. (laughs) Top-notch. High-level perfection. (laughs) So at the time that they're getting ready to take this last little jaunt, the launch was delayed because there was some pretty bad weather. And they pushed it off a couple times. And then eventually everything calmed down enough that they felt comfortable launching. And on this ship were about 400 people. And two of them were a man named Moss Hills and his wife, Tracy Hills. And they were entertainers on the ship. Moss would play guitar. Tracy would play bass. They would sing. They had been working in cruise ship entertainment for quite some time. And they're on this ship. And originally, they were supposed to lead a sail away party on the pool deck on the top of the ship as they were leaving East London. But the weather was so bad that they moved that party down into the lounge. Mm. And Moss said that he, even during that party, kind of had to brace himself up against a wall as he was playing his guitar to keep himself from falling over because that's how bad the ship was getting sort of tossed around in this weather. Yeah, I would have barfed like immediately. (laughs) Immediately. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, me too. So Moss is pretty experienced. He knows this stuff happens. Bad weather happens. This isn't outside the usual. But then later that day, Tracy and Moss were 
up at dinner. And that's when they started to feel that things were wrong because they were seeing these servers with trays of food and drink and stuff falling over and dropping these trays. Mm. And they're like, these servers know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They can handle a little uneven ground to see them falling over and struggling so badly. They're like, this is getting very intense, Mm -hmm. intense enough that Tracy, who Moss described as unflappable, was like, I'm going to go pack a go bag. Yeah. Uh, So he was like, as soon as Tracy left, the power goes out and all the lights go off. Oh, that'd be so eerie. Yeah. And they have these like orange kind of dim emergency lights that are on through the whole ship. And he runs upstairs to go check on the band equipment, which is like such a my dad thing to do. (laughs) No, not my equipment. (laughs) Not my equipment. No. (laughs) Sorry, Dad. You know it's true. A captain goes down with his ship. The drummer goes down with his cymbals. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes up there and he notices that everything is just strewn about all over the lounge. And he's like, oh, man, this is crazy. But as he's in there checking on the equipment... And the instruments, he notices it's eerily quiet. He's like, the engines are not running. We're dead in the water. And so he goes back to the lounge and passengers and stuff have started flooding into the lounge and they're milling about and they're nervous. Nobody has any information from the crew. They haven't heard anything. It's starting to rock and pitch so intensely that people can't even sit in chairs because the chairs are just falling over so everybody's sitting on the floor so many of the other entertainers including moss and tracy start playing music singing songs trying to calm people down they do that for a while and then moss is like we gotta see what's going on we haven't heard anything what is happening so he grabs his friend julian who was the magician on the ship (laughs) and they go down below deck And find it empty. There is no one in the engine room. And he says that was the scariest thing I've ever seen because that never happens. Even when we're docked, there are people in the engine room. Oh, no. And the giant doors that are meant to seal off sections of the ship in case it takes on water to prevent it from like spilling over. Those were sealed up. And he said, I could hear an immense sloshing behind one of those doors and i knew it was full of water oh no at this point they still haven't heard anything from any of the officers or crew or anything so he goes running back upstairs he and julian and on their way they bump into the cruise director and they say what the hell is going on and She said, oh, the captain told us to abandon ship and a lifeboat has left already and the crew and officers are on it. They just left people there? They just left. (gasps) Didn't make an announcement. Didn't alert anyone. Just said, we're getting out of here. And so Moss and the other entertainers are like, we got to get everybody off of this ship yeah and so he finds himself and he's like i've got to figure out how to load these lifeboats and he says i i realized i had no idea how to do it and i look around for help and i'm like well there's nobody here to do it 
that knows what they're doing. So we're just going to figure it out. Yeah. All the people trained for it are on the bail yeah, on the <laughs> lifeboat. See you later <laughs> or not yeah. or not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And so these lifeboats hold about 90 people. So they're big, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. but they're up on these cables and he had to figure out, OK, how do I load them? How do I lower them? And then what happens after they're in the water? Mm -hmm. And so he's helping load people in. And he said the ship is still rolling back and forth and the lifeboat would swing out away from the ship and then the ship would roll back and it would slam back into the side of the ship. Ooh. And so he's trying to hold this thing. He said he had one foot on the deck and one foot in a lifeboat trying to, like, hold it against the deck, which sounds like that's how you just a way to get your nuts crushed clean off your body. I was going to say, that's a cold <laughs> groin if I ever saw one. <laughs> no kidding. But he's, like, trying to pile these people on and then he's trying to lower it. But the way the ship is just going back and forth, every time it would swing out, once it was fully loaded, it would just drop mm. like, like 10 feet at once. He's like, I'm just hearing everybody screaming. I know the boat is just slamming into the ship and then swinging back out, dropping. And then he said, I didn't know how to start the engines on these lifeboats and i didn't have the keys i didn't know where the keys were mm. so he said we lowered these boats and then just pushed them off into the darkness to be dead in the water in this continuing storm oh my gosh he said the people on those lifeboats had a terrifying night yeah and all of this is happening at about one to three o'clock in the morning wow so it's pitch black out and so he finally gets all of the starboard side lifeboats loaded and lowered and out to sea, but realizes that the ship is so sharply healing, like tipped to the port side that there was no way they could get any of those lifeboats loaded or released. Uh -huh. But he looks around, there's still almost 200 people still on this ship wow so boss and tracy and julian the magician <laughs> go running up to the bridge find it completely empty of course and start to try to figure out how to use the radio they're like we're just pressing buttons yeah <laughs> trying to figure out how to use this and finally they're yelling into this radio mayday 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 and a voice comes on and says what's your mayday and he says we're sinking we need rescue. And they say, okay, what's your position? And he says, we're about halfway between East London and Durban. And he goes, no, no, no. What are your coordinates? And he goes, I don't know. And he goes, what is your rank? And he said, I'm a guitarist. <laughs> yeah. I'm the entertainment staff. <laughs> yeah. No rank. Okay. <laughs> so the, the voice on the other end was like, what, where's your captain? Who's on the bridge with you? And he was like, my wife, the bass player, and a magician. <laughs> <laughs> Do you imagine getting that call? Like, just bonkers. <laughs> Two guitar players and a magician are like, mayday, mayday. Uh, where yeah, is everybody? Right? Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, also, do you know where the keys to the lifeboats are? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, my gosh. Yeah, so they're like, well, you need to find the captain. And he was like, I don't know where he is. And so... They said, all right, well, we're going to try to figure out where you are and send some help. They said 
there are two small ships in your area. We're going to send them your way and see if they can help. Some of the other musicians that were on the ship at the time, at this point, all of the people who didn't make it onto the lifeboat, they're pretty, I mean, they're pretty panicked. Yeah. Okay. They're not having a good time. No. And so the other musicians are playing. They're doing what they do. They're trying to calm people down. One of the singers said, so at one point I just launched into a song that I know very well, which is American Pie. (laughs) And then I get a little bit into it and I know that the line coming up, this will be the day that I die. Uh Uh-oh. And he was like, so then I I changed songs just kind of in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Probably a good call, man. Yeah. Whoops. Not really calming. Yeah, no. Yeah. So Moss and Tracy and Julian are running all over the ship trying to figure out what the hell happened to this captain where all Giannis Avranis took off to. And they find him in the back of the ship alone, sitting in the dark, smoking. And they're like, what are you doing? You need to come up here and call for help. And... Moss said he just sat there and shook his head and said, it's not necessary. That's not necessary. And he said he was clearly in shock. Yeah. He was 100% panicking, totally useless. So I just left him be and went back to the lounge where everybody was playing and we're just trying to stay calm. And he and Tracy are sitting there together. They're thinking of their daughter. They had a 15-year-old daughter at the time. And they said, one of us is going to survive. One of us has to because we're not going to orphan her tonight. And they're just waiting on this help, not knowing if it's going to come or what form it'll be in or if it'll be here fast enough. Mm -hmm. And then finally, three hours after they had called for help at seven o'clock in the morning, helicopters arrived. And it was five helicopters from the South African military came and Giannis Avranis Captain, our fearless leader, gets on the first fucking helicopter out of there. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) What an asshole. What an asshole. So the helicopters come in and they drop down these winches with harnesses. You know, you got a belt into this harness and it goes up under your armpits. You know, you've seen in movies Mm -hmm. and stuff. And one of the naval officers or whatever one of the rescue people was like okay we'll load up two winches at a time two different choppers i'll be at the back of the ship loading people up i need you at the front of the ship loading people up said to moss and tracy and he shows them he's like you got to get him in here right or we'll lift him up and they'll flip over and they'll fall out and you'll kill him on the deck and so no pressure (laughs) yeah moss is like I'm losing my nerve at this point. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then he said, I looked around and I said, well, it just has to be done. So I'm just going to do it. And so they're harnessing people in 12 at a time and then lifting them up. And he said, as they were being lifted up, the ship is still rolling and the wind is still blowing. And he said, these people just dangling are swinging around and they would hit parts of the boat. And he's like, I didn't know if they were injured or how badly they were injured. He was like, I just had no idea what they were experiencing, if they were safe. And I mean, can you imagine that? Just like in the worst weather you can imagine underneath a freaking helicopter Uh, dangling by your armpits. I guarantee you that is Tyler's worst nightmare. I think he'd rather drown than than go that way. 
Well, some people were like in a state of panic at this point and were jumping off the ship. Yeah. And so one of the two smaller ships that finally arrived for help had to send out inflatables to help these people who had jumped into the water. And I don't blame those people. <laughs> yeah, if you're afraid of heights, you're like, I'll take my chances with the water. No, I'll swim it. I'll swim it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going up there. No way. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So on the last helicopter out were Moss and Tracy. And he said, once I got up in the air, it's like my whole body went limp. I just realized how exhausted I was and emotional. And he said the helicopter flew them over to the shore and dropped them down. And the people who had been on the ship like mobbed them, just hugging them and crying and thanking them. 45 minutes later, Oceanos sank. Not a single person died wow out of 400 people everyone made it off that ship holy crap went down that's amazing yeah captain avranas claimed oh boy that he had been supervising i'm using finger quotes and i am rolling my eyes (laughs) yeah he said so he had gotten on that helicopter they took him to shore And then he said that he went to shore so that he could coordinate with his crew and ensure that help was on its way. Mm. It's like, bitch, help was there. Mm -hmm. You got it. You got the help. Where were you four hours ago? Well, and then he got back on a helicopter that was going back, one of them that returned. And he claimed that he was trying to go back to the ship to help people get out. And they wouldn't let him off the helicopter. Probably because it would use up a harness that someone needed. Yeah. (laughs) He was dragged in the media, as you imagine. Well-deserved. But he was interviewed by the New York Times several times like following all of this. This is when he said, you know, nobody asked what happened to me. Everybody just made assumptions about what I was doing. There were issues with the walkie-talkies. At one point, he's like, the walkie-talkies were down, so I couldn't coordinate with my officers. So I had to go back to shore so I could coordinate with them in person. But then he was like, I was hearing things on the walkie-talkies that people were in danger or something. And it's like, well, were the walkies down or not? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about, dude? But one thing he said in the New York Times was, when I give order to abandon ship, it doesn't matter what time I leave. Abandonment is for everybody. If some people want to stay, they can stay. Uh. Nobody wanted to stay. You didn't Dick. tell anybody for the longest time. They had right. to figure it out on their own. Yeah. They had the magician running in being like, poof, the boat is sinking. Yeah. Everybody into the top hat. <laughs> And what do you mean if they choose to stay? Like, they couldn't get on a lifeboat. Yeah. You think they were like, no, no, I'll hang back. I want to see if any of the shrimp makes it through. Right. And I can eat it. Like, what in the hell are you talking about? You idiot. He knew far enough in advance to tell his crew to get on a boat and get gone. So, yeah. Then hours later, it's not until the freaking entertainment staff is like, uh something's wrong we need to get people off here (laughs) right and the company that owned it 
the Epertiki, they kind of stood behind him. They were like, he didn't do anything wrong. You know, he was there supervising the rescue effort. That's his version of events. We side with him. People were like, well, what about the officers and crew that left? And they're like, well, officers and crew have to get on a lifeboat first so they can help other people to get on the boat. What? To get on the lifeboat. Like, like I'll step out on this thing first, open the door or whatever, turn the heat on, and then, like, <laughs> hold my hand out and help you on. A... That's not what happened. Yeah. What happened is all you guys got on one, launched it, and took off before anybody even knew what was going on. Wow. So... Eventually, a Greek board of inquiry found that Avranis and four of the officers were negligent. Yes. Obviously. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) None of them ever served any time for that at all. And Avranis continued to work for Epertiki and they made him a commander of a ferry. And he worked that for years and years until he retired. Hmm. The cause of what happened, obviously, the storm was very bad, but... There were some things that I read that, like, there was an incomplete repair to one of the waste systems. And so one of the pipes was open when it shouldn't have been and water was able to rush in. There was also suspicion that the engine threw a piston Mm. and it damaged the hull, possibly. One thing that did happen for sure is that the generator room was one of the first that were flooded. And so the generators were unable to be turned on. So that's why the power was out and the engines died so quickly. Mm -hmm. So Epertiki, not a great company. They had also lost two other ships within three years. One of them had a fire in June of 1991. This was in August. Oh, boy. And then previously in 1988, they had one called Jupiter that was hit by another ship just offshore, and it sank. And that one had 391 school children on it. Oh, no. Two people died in that wreck. So Epertiki had a rough couple of years. So I don't know if they're still around, but if you're considering a cruise with that company, maybe don't. Maybe don't. Maybe keep scrolling. (laughs) Moss and Tracy Hill continued to be cruise ship entertainers, and Moss would be interviewed several times about what happened. Tracy did no interviews. He was like, she gets really stressed out and overwhelmed, and it brings up some PTSD to talk about it. Mm -hmm. He said, I find it cathartic to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so he's been interviewed a lot, and she has not at all. But they worked in cruise ship entertainment for several years after that and then eventually became cruise ship directors themselves oh interesting yeah so that is the story of the oceanos and why entertainers are the best people in the world (laughs) maybe a little bias there (laughs) maybe well all right speaking of entertaining do you have shows coming up yeah yeah we should get right to this we really uh this is a long episode. It is a long episode. It was good. It's a good one. But... Yes, it was a good one. I hope you enjoyed it. It was chock full of information and we'll just get to the promo. Yeah, let's wrap so, it yes. up. Yes, <laughs> I have shows. I have shows and um, I post about them on my social media. So you can find me Facebook, Shanda Sung, Instagram, Shanda.Sung, TikTok, Shanda S. Panda, Twitter, Shanda S. Panda. And I have all my dates on there and you can see where I am. Come see me live. The podcast Passing Notes with Ashley and Chanda that you are listening to right now. We are on Facebook and Instagram, and we are also on TikTok at Passing Notes Podcast. So reach out to us. Let us know if you've ever been in a cruise ship disaster because we want to know.
Yeah, even if it's something sure. as minor as food poisoning, which isn't really minor. Definitely. But after yeah. these stories, it's pretty minor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let us know. Let us know. So thanks for listening in. Contact us. And above all, I hope you share this show with your best friend. Absolutely. And like every week, I want to thank my husband, Tyler, for helping us edit, record, produce this show. He would have never gotten on that helicopter. <laughs> I applaud his bravery for jumping into the water, bravery disguising his wussiness. <laughs> scoop him out with a fishing net. Scoop him out with a net because he's afraid of heights. He's a pilot who's afraid of heights. <laughs> and of course, we want to thank you all for listening. Hopefully you're not as scared of heights as Tyler is. Sorry, yeah. I'm dragging him through the mud right now. He's not here. He can't defend himself right now. Just as long as you're not dragging him through the air. Am I right? Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we want to thank you all for listening. This was episode 84. This was a fun one, as fun as disasters can be. I don't know. We, yeah. we kind of like him. We're sick like that. We do. <laughs> for Shanda Sung, I am Ashley Morgan. Join us next time on Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. I think that was a record wrap-up. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> it was on full speed. They really ultimately all should be fast like that. They really, really probably should. Yeah, should yeah. not be so much dilly-dally. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you gotta fill time, meander a little bit. <laughs> oh well, that's true. Not this time. <laughs> <laughs>